Hi, this is Oriana Schuyler-Mastro. I'm a Center Fellow at Stanford's Freeman Spogel Institute for International Studies and a non-resident Senior Fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. And I'm Abe Denmark. I'm the Vice President for Programs and Director of Studies at the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. So Abe, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the news actually outside of our area of expertise, which is, you know, China, military issues, foreign policy. Just a couple hours ago, North Korea fired two ballistic missiles. We see the Russians moving weaponry onto the border of Ukraine. So it seems like there's a lot of ongoing international crises. Uh, you know, what do you think the United States should do about it, primarily if we're concerned about deterring China? Do you think if we don't respond to some of these other issues that China is going to be emboldened somehow? Well, I think uh, the, the scenarios are very different. And to to paraphrase John Lennon, strategy is what happens when um, when uh, you're making other plans, that we could talk a lot about having uh, a China-centric strategy, but then Russia and Ukraine flames up, North Korea continues to be a problem. And so the question for strategy makers is how do we um, keep up our work on China? How do we keep a focus on China while all these other crises are happening? Um, but I also think these crises are very different in that our relationship with South Korea uh, and Ukraine are very different. South Korea is an ally. Ukraine is not. Right. Um, Russia is a very different kind of geopolitical challenge than North Korea. Uh, and so I don't really see a strong linkage. Um, but I do think China is watching us very closely. And the U.S. Um, is going to have to figure out how to walk a fine line between maintaining deterrence, maintaining our commitments, but not overly committing to the point where we don't have the capacity to address these challenges and maintain deterrence um, in the vis-a-vis -vis China and other China-related scenarios like Taiwan. Right. Because, I mean, there we are in a resource-constrained environment. So on one hand, people say, oh, if the United States doesn't do anything, you know, then maybe China will be emboldened and think the United States doesn't have the will to fight. But I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and a lot of political science research shows that you know, countries can determine the difference. You know, just because we're not willing to defend a non-ally doesn't mean we wouldn't defend Taiwan, for example. But also because we have limited resources, I'm not sure our allies would be particularly reassured. You know, if we're fighting a war in Europe, it means we're less prepared to deter and defend against Chinese aggression in Asia. And so that's why I, I argued a couple months ago in a New York Times article that I actually thought the withdrawal from Afghanistan imposes caution on China, because maybe now they think we're actually getting serious about putting our resources towards competition with China. But it means we actually have to do it. And I think it means we have to take strategic risks. We can't be fighting everywhere uh, at the same time. But as you mentioned, these are different scenarios. South Korea is an ally, Ukraine is not. And I think our European allies are better positioned you know, to deal with Russia on our own, maybe than our Asian allies are to deal with China on their own in Asia. I'm not sure what you think about that, but how should we think about strategic risk across the board? Well, it's something that we should have the muscle, muscle memory of in that during the Cold War, for example, the United States made these kinds of decisions all the time uh, from Eisenhower deciding not to go into uh, Hungary during the Hungarian uprising um, to deciding to be much more restrained in other uh, competitive uh, areas vis-a-vis -vis the Soviet Union um, and deciding, um, and it turns out a terrible decision that Vietnam was the place to fight the spread of communism. Um, 
the making a decision that yes, this is important. No, this isn't important. I think is something that we need to be able to do, um, and something that's been uh, a luxury to, in some ways, ignore uh, since the end of the Cold War, and especially uh, the twenty years since then, that the United States had much more free reign. Um, but if the United States is going to put China at the center of its geopolitical strategy, um, the key question for all of these um, uh, crises, be it Ukraine or North Korea um, or uh, humanitarian problems in Afghanistan that a lot of people are expecting, are how does this affect either positively or negatively our ability to compete with China? And to me, the, uh, the Ukraine example is a good question where the United States has an interest in blocking Russian aggression. But at the same time, I think the Biden administration has done well in this, making sure that our commitments are limited, restrained, and that we're putting a lot of emphasis on the role of our European allies. I mean, the bottom line is China's been able to compete with us effectively and, and efficiently. Uh, one of the main reasons is that they haven't been engaging in foreign military interventions, right? They have 3,200 Chinese personnel overseas, all with peacekeeping operations, and that's relatively new. For most of this period of the rise, they haven't had any military overseas. While the United States, we have, you know, we've engaged in 105 military interventions since 1946, and they cost you know, billions and billions of dollars, like Afghanistan, which cost 10 Belt and Road Initiatives. So given that, you know, we do have to think about how to compete with China. And China has been able to compete with us because they're trying to protect their interests abroad, largely through political and economic means and not military means. But it absolutely takes discipline. And I'm not sure our government has it. I guess I hope we do. I think we're getting better. And I, we, we're out of time. But Oriana, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, best to you and your family. You too.